Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Doug, in Zechariah Sitchin's book, Twelfth Planet, not only does he, as you mentioned, talk about Planet X, but he talks about the fact that it's inhabited by a race called the Anunnaki. What are your thoughts about that? I'm actually leaning more and more towards the idea that there was a kind of a Star Wars type of conflict uh, in space in ancient times. It's a question of whether or not they're extraterrestrial biological entities or spirits who have created bodies for themselves to inhabit while living in the material world. It's really a question of worldview. I mean, uh, you have um, ancient aliens, which prop- you know, proposes the uh, ancient uh, astronaut theory, which is possible. I myself, as a Christian, believe more in the idea of spirits creating bodies for themselves so they can interact with the material world. Um, but in either case, there was a schism and a civil war between two factions, one which was greater and one which was lesser, uh, which is described in the Bible as kind of the uh, a war in heaven, and uh, specifically in Revelation 12, where the leader of this rebellion, who was named um, Satan, or the dragon, was thrown down from heaven to earth, and all of his uh, forces, those uh, angels who rebelled against the high God, were thrown down with him. Now, it's, it doesn't really say where this happened or where he, where he fell from, but it is entirely possible that there they, the battle was for the control of Planet X, and Satan and his forces lost, and they ended up being thrown down to Earth, where they remain to this day. Uh, it is exciting, though, and the possibilities are just amazing, aren't they? It really, We really could be dealing with a Star Wars-type scenario. It's really quite breathtaking, the potential for what uh, these discoveries are bringing us. Doug, tell us about your work with Giants. Well, back about uh, 2003, uh, when I was still publishing Mysterious World, MysteriousWorld.com, uh, I was I was actually inspired by Steve Quayle and his writings the Giants. Uh-huh. I was looking for ideas for, for for articles for Mysterious World, and so I ended up uh, writing a series of articles about the Giants, based partly in his work and that of some other things, and my own study of the Giants and the fallen angels, which were interlinked uh, in the Old Testament, specifically in Genesis six, but in other places too. I'd actually had a master's degree in Old Testament biblical studies, and I studied much of uh, the what is called the Pentateuch which is the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses. And they were kind of a cohesive unit. And they talked a lot about the battle with the giants and this thing called the iniquity of the Amorites and how fallen angels were apparently coming down intermarrying with women and creating these giants. And so um, this was not only interesting personally, it was actually part of my faith journey. Um, how is this possible? What does this mean? Uh, and so I, I, I determined that most likely what it was is these these rebel angels we were talking about previously had come down to earth and intermarried with the women that God had created and were creating a, a race of giants in an attempt to which would be a, a biologically, genetically enhanced humans, in an attempt to retake uh, heaven, whatever, whether that is planet X or some other location in some other dimension. And so the theory is that, um, and this is part of my book on giants, is you know not only what were the giants, but why did they exist? What was the purpose of them? And part of the reason the giants were created was to help Satan and his fallen angels uh, retake heaven away from God and basically rule the universe. So I'm exploring that idea in the book. So it, it makes a lot of sense because the giants were given what we understand as, as high technology. Adam and Eve, actually, in my opinion, when they were tempted in the garden, they were actually given uh, a knowledge, a knowledge of what we understand as the arts, and sciences and technology, they were educated. They were no longer ignorant. They were educated, probably extremely brilliant, you know, genius level beyond mm-hmm. Einstein. 
And so the theory is, is that Satan was actually tricking them into creating their own uh, you know, technological prison, where he would teach them how to build this technology, but then he would use that technology to control them. Maybe it sounds a little bit familiar. And so uh, the idea is that the, uh, it's a technological bluff, as Jacques Ellul would put it, one of the people I studied in grad school, is that the technology that enables us will eventually uh, allow Satan to control us. That's the real danger. The, tech, the, the uh, advantage of technology can also be a disadvantage because it can also be used to control you by sinister third parties who, who do not have our best interests in mind. And so that's always been a struggle between a technological approach and the reliance on God for your, your provision. Since the garden, a man has struggled between, I, you know, I want to be technologically advanced and be able to do lots of great stuff, or I just want to keep life simple, live in the wilderness and you know, farm or something. There was the classic uh, clash between Cain and Abel. And Cain, who learned how to use weapons... Brothers, brothers, right? Brothers, yeah, two brothers who, with two different um, ways of doing things. Uh, Cain turned on his brother because he was jealous because God preferred his offering, and he killed him with technology, a weapon he had created. And so that was the beginning of the schism between the two great lines, uh, the line of Cain and the line of Seth, with Seth being the next son who replaced... Um, able. And so that was, that was a conflict between those two, and you see this in the Bible. You have the line of Cain talked about in Genesis 4, and then you see the line of uh, Seth falling through to Abraham, and there was a constant struggle between the two, all the way up to the flood, where the giants, uh, who are descendants of, of Cain, actually defeated uh, the descendants of, of Seth through a combination of war, uh, attrition, uh, they, they outbred, they out-competed, and they stole all the resources. Wherever giants went, they would basically take all the resources and not replenish anything. They were completely non-green, whereas the sons of Seth were highly green and were meant to keep in balance with nature. Uh, Satan had designed the giants to conquer and control and, and take control of nature, and there was no concern about the, you know, the, re the replenishment of nature. It was all about conquest. And so eventually the, the giants had built their weapons and possibly even what we would call high-technology weapons even by modern standards, because the fallen angels probably could have taught them practically anything. Uh, what happened is there were wars that are so devastating, they actually polluted the earth. And so in order to get rid of the giants and everything they'd done and all the pollutions they had created, and the technology that was basically leading to the enslavement and destruction of the human race, God sent the flood and saved eight souls out of that, the uh, eight souls from the descendants of Seth, according to the Bible and put them in the ark, and they survived on to the next world, whereas the previous world was destroyed by the flood and everything about it, except for the occasional out-of-place artifacts we find. Right, there's apparently a skeleton found in a cave in Afghanistan, according to Steve Quayle. Uh, I, right. I interviewed the pilot years ago. Uh, it's a strange, strange story, but does that tell us then where the giants went? They were just all obliterated in a flood? That's the story we were told, that... Uh, some other stories escape, or some of them managed to escape, and some people think they actually made it in space and are maybe colonizing planets as we speak. I mean, we're talking about very advanced beings, people who are kind of like us, except probably smarter and more aggressive. Think of uh, Khan from Star Trek II. That's basically what the giants were. They, not only did they not want to give up, they could not give up. They were designed to be obsessive, compulsive, attack psychopaths, basically, that had constantly attacked and never forgave and never gave up. And that's why they had to be destroyed, because they were designed uh, to destroy everything around them except for themselves. 
and ultimately in their psychosis they ended up destroying themselves too. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, your work on the Riddle of the Sphinx. You did that in 2012. What is the Riddle of the Sphinx? The Riddle of the Sphinx is a very interesting little story. It actually comes from the play Oedipus Rex. And the story, um, the hero Oedipus is returning to the city of Thebes, and he is a, he's, he's met on the way by a sphinx, which is basically the head of a woman with the body of a lion and, and the wings of an eagle, and it swooped out of its lair in, the, in, in a cave in the rocks and told him, um, you can pass if you can tell me the answer to my riddle, otherwise I will devour you. And the riddle was, uh, what, is it that, what is it that walks on four legs in the morning, uh, two legs in the e- afternoon, and three legs in the evening? Do you know what the answer is? Uh, me? No, I do not. Okay. The answer is man, who walks, who crawls along on four legs as a baby, two legs as an adult male, and three legs as an old uh, person with a cane. So a cane. Okay. Legs, right? Interesting. And so well, that, that by itself was interesting, but what I determined after my study of the Bible is, this, I, you know, I was thinking, this sounds kind of familiar. And I looked back uh, at some of the, the prophecies, and the prophecy of Judah in... Uh, and uh, let's see, it's Genesis 49.9, uh, when the, pro- the patriarch Jacob, when he was dying, and they were living in Egypt, and the 12 tribes were about to inherit from him, he gave prophecies about what befall them in the end times. And the uh, prophecy regarding Judah, the, descent, you know, the progenitor of the Jews, um, said that, it says that, if I could quote this, uh, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, there are gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? And I realized, you know, that has the same kind of situation where there's three ages of man, except it's like three ages of a lion. And the the, the, the Sphinx was like part lion, part man. And here we have Judah being described as part lion, part man as well. And he's also talking about a lion's whelp, which is a young lion. Um, couched as a lion as an adult and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? And when you're talking about couch as a lion, you're talking about the Sphinx, because uh, the Sphinx is known uh, throughout Egypt as being this great lion, which ca- crouches on the plain of the Giza necropolis. And I think my theory is, is in, in the book is that they're talking about um, something that is buried underneath the Sphinx, and they're identifying exactly uh, what is in, what will befall Jake or Judah in the end times, is that he will go to the Sphinx, and you'll find what's buried underneath it in the secret chambers. And the... the uh, and, and they have found the chambers. They just haven't told us what's in there yet. Yeah, and they, they know the chambers are there, but they have not been allowed to find them. I suspect it has a, there's a very powerful technology from the world before the flood, uh, possibly a number of different technologies, uh, including what we would call optical hard drives made of sapphire, which contain wow. all knowledge from the world before the flood. And what about renderings for the Great Pyramids? Do you think they could be in the Hall of Records there? It, it is possible there's things hidden in the Great Pyramid and the other pyramids, actually. Great Pyramid, we know, above the Grand Gallery or near it, there's actually a large space that uh, Sonar has discovered and has, has been undiscovered. It's a huge space. It looks like a large storage area that's probably containing a lot of artifacts that will tell us a lot about our ancient history possibly from the world before the flood, because some people think the pyramids are actually built before the flood and survived it, because there's actually water damage in parts of the flood. Which That's right. There's, they've been around for a long time, long enough for there to be water in that region, which is not since before 10,000 B.C., which was around the time of the ending of the last ice age and the probable time of the Great Flood.
Robert Schock was on our program last week, and uh, he was, of course, one of the originators of that theory. He's done an amazing job of, of really, really doing a thorough analysis of all the uh, the geographical elements, and that, that discovery regarding the water erosion was a masterpiece. Uh, that really revolutionized our understanding of the Giza Necropolis, specifically the Sphinx. And um, it was quite obvious, if you look at it now, that there was a very large amount of water erosion over thousands of years. It's not something that could happen accidentally over a short period of time. That required a very ancient age for the Sphinx and a lot of rain over a long period of time, proving absolutely the Sphinx and probably the pyramids Sphinx temples and all the rest are many thousands of years older than we think they are, and uh, from a different era and a different history than we've been told. And what are your thoughts on end times as it relates to all of this, Doug? One of the theories I had about the Sphinx was that it was actually uh, the great red beast of Revelation. One of the reasons I came to that conclusion is that uh, the Sphinx, as we know, has had its uh, head recarved several times, at least once. Because right now its head is about maybe a third or one quarter of the size than it should be proportionally. It's basically a pinhead on top of a full-size lion body. And my theory was, was, I was when I was trying to figure out what um, was the, uh, the dragon of Revelation 17 and 18, is that the dragon was actually um, it was said to have seven heads and ten horns. And I, when I was looking at the Giza Necropolis from above, I realized there was exactly ten pyramids in the Giza Necropolis, which look kind of like large horns, but also where, so where to get the seven heads. The theory is, my theory is that the, the seven heads are actually seven heads of seven kings over time that have been recarved from the, the head, original large head of the Sphinx. It got smaller every single time until the last of the kings, which is number six or seven, is actually the last in line, or this, maybe number six, number seven might be the Antichrist, or maybe number eight, it's not clear. But... Um, my theory is that they're actually, um, John was actually talking about the Sphinx when he was talking about the Great Red Dragon. And there's other reasons for that, is that the, the, the dragon was said to come out of the earth. The Sphinx is actually, in its uh, Sphinx enclosure, it looks like it's actually crawling out of the earth because the enclosure is actually beneath, um, uh, beneath the, the water line or very close to it. So the Sphinx actually is kind of beneath uh, the, the level of that area. It's, it looks like it's crawling out of the earth. And the Sphinx was also originally painted red, just like the Red Dragon of Revelation was. And so we actually have a number of different coincidences here, uh, kind of matching up with uh, the Giza Necropolis, which I've always felt was important at the end times intuitively. And so the more I study this uh, location, the more I realize they might be, this might be Revelation central in terms of activity in the end times, including some very important high technology and secrets that have been hidden there since the flood. Is it conceivable that the Egyptians have already burrowed down into that hall of records at the base of the Sphinx and just never told us what's in there? I suspect that there is something so dangerous down that that they have decided not to do that. And But they know what it is. I think there are secret societies that have been guarding that for thousands of years who know exactly what's down there and are preventing anyone from finding it until the time prophecy is sometime in the future. I think the Antichrist will actually discover these artifacts, and it'll make him so powerful that he'll actually be able to defeat. It'll help him conquer the and control the entire world. My God! And you think that whatever is down there might have been used before? I think that the things down there were so powerful and so dangerous that they were purposely kept hidden in a very difficult way to find. ET technology? 
Yes, actually, uh, Nephilim technology, fallen angel technology, ETs, technology that's so powerful and so dangerous that mankind must not be allowed to find it. And they just decided to hide it down there at the base of the Sphinx. It's too useful to destroy, but it's too dangerous to let loose, so they kept it under the Sphinx and probably some other places around the Giza Necropolis. Wow, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Well, it's apocalyptic. I mean, if the people who get a hold of this stuff, if it is what I think it is, it literally would be invincible. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.